0: welcome back to the policy viz podcast i'm your host john schwabish everyone this is the final episode of the podcast for the season that's right i'm wrapping up the sixth season right now so i can get onto vacation and enjoy some quiet time, gonna do some writing, gonna do some reading, uh, maybe even make some data visualizations, we'll have to see. So to help me close up this season of the show, I invited Ben Jones over to chat with me about his new project on data literacy. Uh, Ben Jones, as you might know, uh, worked for Tableau for a very long time, and now he recently left the company and started his own venture to help people uh, understand data visualization, understand data, understand analytics, uh, even a little bit more and obviously data literacy is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart as I spend a lot of time in my workshops helping people understand how to read uh, lots of different data visualizations that are probably familiar to you and me but maybe not to everyone and so uh, part of the goal I think of becoming better at visualizing and communicating data is to understand some of these other and new graphs uh, that people can use. So Ben and I talk about his experience at Tableau, his new project, and lots of other things that are going on uh, over there on the West Coast. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode. So here is the final episode of this season of the Policy Viz Podcast, my interview with Ben Jones. Hey Ben, how are you man? John, doing well? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's the West Coast treating you?
1: It is great. We got some early sunny weather out here.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Really? Is it like this? The is this like the one week that Seattle doesn't rain?
1: you know may has been gorgeous i'm supposed to tell everybody my neighbors remind me that yeah it's constantly rainy so you don't want to ever come out here and move out here here. (laughs) right 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 right. yeah we've had some good that was terrible we've had some gorgeous days i gotta say i'll take it you know but yeah yeah i'm I'm, I'm enjoying it i love the west coast i've been out here for so long
0: now. yeah well so so tell me so i know you do a a ton of hiking so where have you been uh and camping where have you been lately yeah, so it's sort of just getting
1: started. A lot of the mountains are still frozen and whatnot. Yeah. But I just this past weekend, went out to this really, actually, an amazing hike. It's about maybe an hour sort of northeast of downtown Seattle. It's called Bridal Falls and Lake Serene. And what I love about it is it sort of has three things, usually one or two of which you hope to have on a hike, which is an amazing waterfall. A great mountain view and then an alpine lake, and it has all three. So wow, that's man. great about it. But because of that, that means Memorial Day is just, it's basically like Disneyland with the lines and everything. So yep. it's a busy day out there on Monday for sure. But but we enjoy right, it. Right. Like, yeah.
0: That's great. That's oh, great. Oh
1: man, I, I'm actually doing this Wonderland Trail, which is going to be wild. I'm actually doing 10 days off the grid all the way around Rainier starting wow. at the end of August. Yeah, going through over Labor Day. So it's a pretty cool, you know, like 93 miler and you're out there for a while, you know? Yeah. So hopefully I come back and civilization's still going. I don't know. I'll find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is that the sort of thing you feel like you need to train for? You just sort of go out there and you're already good to go.
1: Yeah. That one, it's got about 22,000 up and down total. So I probably, I'll be spending some time on the trail with at least like a, you know, moderately weighed down pack just so that I don't, I don't uh, kill myself on the second or third day, but, but it's not like extreme. Like if you're going to say, maybe like go to the top of Rainier or one of these other, it's just, you know, you you don't ever go above 6,500 feet total. So it isn't like a mountaineering scenario. It's a trail the whole way. So there's no technical aspects to it. It's just, you know, I have no idea what I'll feel like on day 10 of not having a shower or plugging anything (laughs) in or whatever. So it'll be a learning experience for me, but I'm
0: looking forward to it. So I think the moral of the story is, if anyone is into hiking and camping, when they visit the Northwest, they should just call you up, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll take them out. Yeah. I love it. It's a great way to balance out the digital side and all the data. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: So why don't you uh, tell folks uh, about yourself, what's going on? Uh, you have a whole new company and project going on. and So maybe for folks who don't know who you are, maybe dive back a little bit further. But you know, I'm really curious about the, the data literacy and, the, and all the work that you're doing now.
1: Yeah, sure. So the quick version of it is, I joined Tableau about six or seven years ago. I came up here to the Seattle area from Los Angeles, where I was a data blogger and using data kind of in a Six Sigma kind of a context in. uh, medical device company down there. And they kind of caught wind of my blog. Also, uh, I was in the Iron Viz contest and I got to meet them. And so they brought me up to manage the Tableau public platform for the last five or six years, You know, which was such an awesome gig for me. Um, that thing grew by 20-fold over the course of my time there and just got to see so many amazing visualizations, interactive data, saw the you know, the wave of data journalism and then also mobile and really got to be, I felt like in a a position of seeing a lot of amazing people's talented work coming across that platform and just being part of a community that was growing and thriving. So it was really nice for me. You know, I transitioned into an evangelist role and was doing a lot of presenting for companies over the past year. Well, early on, when I moved up here, I published Communicating Data with Tableau, which is the O'Reilly book. And because of that kind of got looped into some University of Washington, um, like continuing education courses on data visualization theory and just sort of fell in love with the teaching side of things and um, started to notice in my conversations with people as in the evangelist role that there was just this massive gap where so many people felt like they were being left behind of this data revolution where, you know, they didn't really feel like they could understand what was happening, like they could participate the concepts all the visuals and there's so many people out there that didn't receive a formal education, you know, people in the nineties that went to school like me, this really wasn't covered. I mean, you know, courses we were in, uh, I was even in a technical course in engineering and and came nowhere near, you know, learning the sorts of things I need to know to be able to work with data uh, to the degree that our careers, our communities, even our personal life uh, requires of us nowadays. So that's where I started to see, Oh, this is, this is actually a, a major need. And I think that um, Tableau does a great job, as many vendors do, um, you know, helping you learn about data through their tool. And that's really great. But I sort of felt like it would be a good opportunity for me to step into a scenario where I was able to teach people the concepts like, you know, simple ones like how to read and interpret data visualizations or how to dive in and clean dirty data or visualize it themselves or, or communicate it. So that's what I've been doing. So I, back in December, I left Tableau and started up Data Literacy LLC at dataliteracy.com. And I've been teaching my own classes and programs, working with some companies, working with some individuals and yeah, just learning a lot about what it takes to help people become comfortable working with data. There's, just, I, I call them, you know, there's so many data phobic people out there. They really, yeah. you know, the worst thing you could do is send them a spreadsheet or something like that. They really wouldn't, you know, kind of feel confident enough to make good use out of it. So, so yeah, that's sort of what I've been doing these days. It's been a real fun first, what is it, I guess, five or six months now um, out yeah. of the gate. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot already, but uh, having a good time with it.
0: That's great. So are you focused on both the data side of understanding how to get and use and clean and understand data and the statistics that one might need to do at least some some basic descriptive analysis and statistics and then also the, the visualization and then into the storytelling part of things? Exactly. Yeah. So I had a lot of people when I first started this, they were saying, well, isn't data
1: literacy, you know, just being able to read charts and graphs like that's what literacy is. Right. And so uh, early on, I I thought about that and, and, you know, really felt like it's more than that, because if all I can do is try to make sense of a visual someone else has created. I think I'm sort of at the mercy of that person to some degree. You know, um, maybe there were errors in the underlying data that I, I can't see just by looking at the dashboard, or you know, maybe if I were to get my hands on the data myself and look into it, I might have some additional questions or or my insight might um, develop further. So I, I very much became a believer that you know, to me, uh, someone who's highly data literate also knows how to work with data, find its issues and anomalies uncover patterns, and then, yeah, actually be able to take it from there to a situation where they can uh, convey those insights to other people effectively. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it's kind of the, you know, then that's what's sort of so beautiful about it is because maybe there's someone who's been a specialist in data engineering or who really fancies himself, you know, a, an expert data storyteller. But mm-hmm. oftentimes when I talk to those individuals, they don't feel like they know the full spectrum. They don't feel like they know what people upstream or downstream in this data working process what they actually do, or you know what those concepts are. So, um, I've even for specialists and experts in one part of that process, I've found that they you know have this desire to learn you know what else is going on in the data world, um, so they can speak more effectively to people in their organizations that are involved in other pieces of that puzzle.
0: Mm-hmm. There was a, a medium blog post a while back, and I'm now forgetting who wrote it, but. It was on data literacy and, and the, the writer, I'll look it up and put it up in the show notes for people, but the, the writer had made this point that when it comes to reading words, you were either literate or illiterate. There is no in-between. And then the article went on to make the case, the, the similar thing for data. So do you, I know I'm asking this question sort of out of the blue, but, I'm, but what I'm wondering whether you feel that that's the same way that when it comes to data, you're either literate or you're illiterate
1: no definitely not definitely. i think I, I there was a blog post maybe it was written by michael corell who was actually a former coworker of mine at tableau and he really challenges this idea of literacy and using that Essentially, an analogy, right? To be able to, yeah. uh, and one of the things he did mention was that there was this kind of concern that he had that people would treat it as either you're either literate or illiterate, and that that was a very dangerous sort of a mindset. And I actually yeah. really agree with that because you know the last thing you want to do is walk around and sort of say, oh, you know, here are the people in an organization who are literate, and here are the ones who are not. And I don't think that that's a very helpful mindset. I think it's very much degrees, like a sliding scale of literacy, where you can become you know sort of more and more fluent. In in this, in this language of data. So I don't believe it's a on-off switch at all. I think even people who I know who are very talented with data would tell you that they have so much to learn and feel a lack of proficiency in certain aspects of the yeah. overall scheme. So I do think it's a challenging, it's not a perfect analogy. I think you're t- taking literacy and applying it to data. So there's commonality, like I can understand my environment I can see what other people are communicating to me and talk back to them in this language of data and actually there's a huge promise because it could be a universal language and in many ways it is but um, but yeah I think that the analogy isn't perfect because well you brought up that one which is that it isn't an on/off switch I think that that's an yeah. important one but also what's interesting is with with vision especially with data visualization as you know John right like we're actually born with certain techniques and abilities to be able to yeah notice things without having to go to school to learn it. So maybe with language and reading words and, and a, that would require us to dedicate time as children to learn it whereas with data visualization, you know, you show me a scatter plot with an outlier and it's colored red and I could show that to just about anybody and they'd point to that exact dot and say what's this. Yeah. So but I also
0: think, it's yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was to say but also it's the case that you know, the reason I think that people you know, a lot of people perhaps don't know how to read a scatter plot is because they're not they never learn how to read a scatter plot. It's not like it's not like we're we, we know instinctively how to read a bar chart, right? Let's not like imprint it in our DNA. We have to learn how to read that. I, I totally agree with you that there there are ranges of this literacy. And I'm I'm not even sure that there's even when it comes to text, there's these two it's a, it's a binary thing, right? Like we don't start reading by opening a book, and now we're able to read, we start, we first have to identify the letter shapes, and then we start to identify the combinations of the letters, and then we can read some words. And then ultimately, you know, later on, we're able to read full passages and phrases and sentences and chapters. So, you know, it's to me, saying that, and I'd have to go back to this blog post and and sort of review, but I I think you're right that there are these ranges. But I also think that that also applies to reading text as well, that it's not on or off.
1: Yeah, and even then, like to your point, right, there's reading levels. So, right. are you a right. fifth grade reading level or an eighth right. grade reading level? So, right. it, it, it's something that you continue to develop further as you go.
0: Right. Now, to this point of what it means to be data literate, you also have, I, now, this I think is probably one of the first publications of your new company, Data Literacy, is this ebook uh, 17 key traits of data literacy. And I've signed up for the newsletter, Ben, and I've downloaded (laughs) it. So, so I've got it right here. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about, I don't think we need to go through all 17, but you have these four groups, which I think is a really nice way to think about the, the basic problem or the basic, basic challenge for people.
1: Yeah. So, um, I started asking myself, Pretty much about a year, year and a half ago, I was, I was preparing to leave Tableau. You know, what does it mean to be highly data literate? And so, this is really just my take. Notice, I call it 17 key traits, not the 17 key traits, right, because right, yeah. I think that um, there's probably a lot more than that. But the ones that I noticed that highly data literate people that I had the pleasure of working with all seem to, you know, um, display to some degree or another. And they fell into those four buckets of knowledge, skills, attitudes, and behaviors. And I like that. That I like that framework because I think sometimes when you ask someone oh you know are you data literate they usually would kind of interpret that to mean probably just knowledge or skills i think like do you know the concepts or are you able to use the tools and i think that those are super important but for especially in a group environment to be highly data literate you know we also need to consider sort of what are our attitudes about data um, and also you know kind of what do we do week in and week out in terms of the way we act and those mm-hmm. are things that I learned from, I've been lucky enough to have Georgia Lupi on my uh, advisory board. And I think she's a person who's really brought out some key concepts around the humanity of data. And that's an attitude, right? That's a, it's a way of thinking about data that it doesn't really relate to, can you use this certain software package or code with this language? It's more around, how do you see the usefulness of this resource as it relates to human beings, what we're trying to accomplish, and so I found that those are really important components of the overall kind of data literacy picture to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, this is a free little ebook that I really, uh, just had a fun putting together. Cause again, I was trying to define in my own mind, what, what did it mm-hmm. even mean?
0: So when you're working with groups and with clients, are you, are you working through this book with them or? Is this like the resource that they get at the end or when someone calls you up to, to, you know, help them or their team or whatever? Like, how do you approach that sort of thing when it's a question of how do we become more data literate, either as an individual or in the in the organization as a whole?
1: Yeah, great question. So I got a chance. So, so for example, um, with that 17 key traits, I was invited to review that in a presentation to the intelligence community in Washington, D.C., in fact, I forgot to bug you. I was going to see about staying at your place, man. We'll talk about that another oh. time. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was just, uh, that was just been saying like, hey, talk to us about this. We want to understand the concepts, right? So right. that would be, you know, an example of maybe a one or two hour session where we sit down and, you know, I kind of walk through those 17 traits one by one and mm. expound on them a bit more than what you get in the book. But usually then it goes to the next step, which is, okay, well, hey, we want to become more data literate. And so many organizations are saying this now. And you can't just talk about traits. I think you need to actually get hands-on. So um, right now, right that usually works its way into um, more extensive workshops or training having to do with uh, being able to interpret data visualizations, being able to work with data by exploring it and communicating it. And so I'm just really going through the very first iteration of those kinds of uh, workshops with organizations now. But but yeah, right. it wouldn't be like um, let's do a workshop on the 17 traits. Like that's not really. Mm-hmm. It's more just like a concept that I'd like to get out there. And then the next step is, okay, how do we find out which ones are most important and how do we develop ourselves in those areas where we're most deficient, in the areas Mm -hmm. where it's most important?
0: Right. I'm going to assume that when you work with these groups, you're hoping that you can bring the different sides together. I mean, I I think a lot of us who are teaching uh, either in, in universities or with clients are finding, I mean, I think I'm sure you found this, that. They're sort of like either the design side, over the design folk are over there, and the management folk are over there, and the data viz folk are over there, and then the analysts are over here. Like, I guess the question is, what do you say when you come into an organization? They're like, "Help us be more literate." You know, the designers are down the hall. If you want to go talk to them,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let me think about that. Well, usually the conversations I've had so far. They oftentimes they could be that it's just one department right so this is like mm-hmm. the marketing group in a firm that oh, i see okay yeah, yeah so it might be and in, in those instances it would just be really training everyone in the, the department whether they're yeah. um, data people or not but it's definitely i guess there are other places where it's more broad where it's, you know, not just one specific team or department where they're looking mm-hmm. more kind of cross-functionally. So my mm-hmm. belief is that the programs would be ideally, you know, helpful for someone. It doesn't really matter what department they're in. So a big part of it for me is, and I actually learned this with the whole Six Sigma thing, which it was fun, you know. It's it's more of a corporate training program. Yeah, my dad yeah. used to give me a hard time that I had a black belt title because he thought me <laughs> he me through engineering school, and so that was a fun conversation with good old dad. But but yeah, yeah. Um, what it did do, which I loved, is it forced people to bring their own project and their own data to the workshops, and that's where I think you really start to have the learnings cemented in because you're actually applying it so you know when i'm working with organizations i'm asking them to bring data to the training so that when we talk about concepts maybe at a higher level or more general across that would speak to you know people in multiple departments they're applying it to their data which has to do with their team and their department and so you get the ideas but then you also get the practical side of of going through the steps in a way that helps you right then and there on the spot. So I think that in that sense, I'm hoping to be able to connect with people, you know, regardless of the department they're in, which is also a broad message. So it's a little bit challenging yeah. from a marketing point of view to say, no, this is for everybody in your organization and it's maybe easier and. You know, when I was preparing to launch, you know, I would hear messages from my business day schools like you have to be really niche. You have to be really targeted. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm actually really not any of those things. And, hey, I'm just going to go for it because I think this is a language everybody needs to speak. So, um, yeah, it's early days for me. Right. But that, that's, right. Yeah, yeah. that's a challenge for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what else do you have either out or coming out to make this work? Yeah. So, uh, so
1: right now there's a course that I'm teaching, actually just wrapping it up. It's like a level one online course. And then I'm starting a level two at the beginning of June, probably by the time this airs, it'll already be off and running. But um, so that's cool. That's really just for me. I love that because I get to work with individuals that maybe don't have like the backing of a big company with, you know, more resources it's just someone out there who's saying i just really need to learn how to work with data so i love those mm. interactions little little groups and then um yep. there's a book avoiding data pitfalls through wiley my ever patient and saintly patient in fact editing team at uh, wiley that uh, coped with just a roller coaster for me over the last 4 years of finally getting that draft submitted so i love that book because you know i kind of asked myself what would i write to myself 10 or 15 years ago, 20 years ago, so that I would maybe late make fewer mistakes with data than I've made over right. the years. So I'll turn that into a little program, you know, do some training mm-hmm. on that too. And then I just actually, yeah, just launched a, a course through Udacity, which is one of mm-hmm. these um, online uh, sort of digitally native for profit education companies they are based out of mountain view. I think some Googlers uh, started it up. My class is all about data storytelling and, uh um, mm-hmm you know, being able to tell interesting data stories as well as, um, animate them. So that program, I think Mm -hmm. just launched, you can, you know, just sign up for that. I can give you a a link for that, but yeah, I I loved it because I got to learn a little bit about their processes, how they do things. It's a great outfit. They do an amazing job of creating this, you know, really cool, um, educational environment with mentors and, you know, Mm -hmm. message boards where you can talk with each other. And so anyway, I, I think I, went to school too, just by doing that project with. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So um, you are now sort of free as it were of Tableau. So when you are teaching the Udacity course, are you teaching people how to use tools? And are you still focused on Tableau? Or is it like a broader uh, toolkit now that you can now play around with a little bit? Or maybe you didn't have that chance before. Yeah,
1: Tableau was always pretty good about letting me play with other tools. But yeah, a lot of Mm -hmm. my
0: conversations with people had to do
1: with that product, which I still love and use. And that Udacity program does uh, allow people to. I walk them through um, Tableau Public's story points feature, as well Mm -hmm. as which is where you kind of create an interactive slide presentation. And then also what's called the pages shelf, which you may or may not have heard of, which is Tableau's ability to animate the data. So yeah, I definitely still talk a lot about Tableau, teach Tableau and love it. But I also was able to, yeah, definitely branch out a little bit. Um, I was showing them this, I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, Duncan Clark and his team over there at Flourish at Flourish.studio mm-hmm. they just launched a new feature called the Talkies feature, which is super cool. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, which you can do. Oh, I think maybe.
0: Do you have Duncan on? I think maybe, or you know, maybe Ali did. Uh, he was on, um, I think he was on Datavis. Uh, Datavis uh, Dataviz today. Dataviz uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's right.
1: I listened to that interview and he's, he's great. And I think the tool he's building is super neat, but this talkies feature, it allows you to make a data story, right? Including animated data that your readers or audience can interact with, hover over, you know, change the filters and all that. But what's super cool about it is you can actually upload an audio file. So you can actually have a soundtrack talking through this story that automatically plays out that also your readers can interact with. So it's, I guess I put it all together. It's an interactive, animated, narrated data story and (laughs) even write code. And this is not even an advertisement for it. I was just so impressed with it. That when I was talking to Udacity, I said, oh, I know how to make this um, advanced data storytelling course really cool. Let's teach them this talkies feature. And they were really great. They embraced it. And I love that. So yeah, we we walked through that. But I think, yeah, for me, definitely, you know, stepping away from a, a vendor yeah, I, I find I've been playing a lot with R lately, and I'm looking forward to learning Python. And so, uh, mm. yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm broadening my horizons right now with tools. For yeah,
0: sure. that's cool. For sure. So I do want to get you, you mentioned Flourish, and I know they have the, the talkie feature, and they also have the bar chart race feature <laughs> that they added after, you know, John Byrne Murdoch, who was just on the show, sort of popularized Uh, let me, let me make this a broad question. So what's your take on animation in data viz?
1: Okay. So I really love, if you've ever read Tamara Munzner's book, visualization, analysis and design, this is a book I teach in my UW classes, but she has a really great kind of rule of thumb about data visualization. And she says that eyes beat memory. And so what she means by that is if you give someone the ability to see something at once in a bird's eye view, that's better than if you're requiring them to to remember what happened um, sort of in a sequence. And so animation suffers from that, which is that, you know, people see data move, but maybe they don't remember. It's hard to answer questions. It's hard to say, oh, you know, what happened halfway through the animation with one of the 50 data points, right? So those right. types of questions are hard to answer. That's on the con side. But the pro side, I don't think you can deny is that animating data, Hans Rosling taught us this, right? It really brings it to life. It sets everything in motion. It's You sort of connect with it in, a, in a, almost an emotional way mm-hmm. um, that I don't know. if. So it's, it's a very unique opportunity to connect with your audience in a way that just, Really leaves them with an amazing sense of the, f- the fluidity of the environment, and you know, feeling and sensing how things changed over time, That's just seeing yeah. it. So I, I kind of find like they they, they both have their own purpose. Uh, but mm-hmm. so in general, I'm, I wouldn't be a person to say you know never use animation. And I agree with Munzner that you know, from an analytical point of view, if you're going to animate the data, you also want to give them the ability to go in and answer specific questions. But mm-hmm. I was just so moved by Rosling and by others. And, you know, Nathan Yao has done some amazing uh, data animations with like, you know, the, the day in the life type surveys. And it's just, you just feel what's happening in a totally different way. So I love yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think there's a there's that playfulness to some of these. Mm-hmm. And I also think what's interesting about them is some of them or a lot of them, at least the last... You know with this bar chart race thing um they seem to be made especially or specifically for social media yeah which is again a different way to interact with content than if it were on a website or if it were you know in a, in a different type of platform
1: yeah exactly and it's so funny to see the rise of the gif again over the last few yeah. years right? As yeah. So much of our consumption has moved to the mobile platform i got to watch that you know with the tableau public platform and just seeing how all the journalists i was working with were really you know it went from kind of sort of asking, oh, how does this work on mobile? Maybe as a question not that didn't really matter to, like, that's really, all, in some cases, all yeah. they thought about. So I right. get that. I get that. Oh, one other thing too, as it relates to data literacy specifically, I think, and you mentioned scatter plots and how a lot of people don't know maybe how to read them. I think actually animation can really play a role here because imagine if, let's say you've got you know, a bunch of dots on a scatter plot, right? Instead of just throwing that at someone and saying, "Here you go," what if you animated the dots across the x-axis and told them what was happening? Like, here we'll see every country move to its GDP position. Now we'll yeah. see. It. Now we'll see it. No, and stop, right? And then the next sequence of the animation shows those circles rising to, you know, maybe their population place on the y-axis. I think that you have a way of introducing someone to a graph and or a chart and really um, helping them kind of like connect with the axes in a way that is I think has a lot of power and potential because I don't think yeah I don't think we can assume everybody immediately knows what it's showing but there's a way to animate it into the view such that they sort of see the the build and maybe even get to a place where they see something more complex than they otherwise would have been able to read
0: yeah I think that's exactly right I think that's exactly right cool Ben well you've got a lot going on man yeah. Thanks. It's been fun. It's been fun. Thanks for yeah, having great. I love this show. I always listen to it. Thanks. I'm coming your way this summer. So a- anytime you let me know, I got a spot for you. We've got a spare uh, bedroom. You can hang out downstairs and uh, my daughter will make you pancakes in the morning. I love it. And uh, it. yeah. <laughs> um, great. Well, let me know when you come out, come out East and uh, have a great summer and good luck with everything. Um, It was great chatting with you, bud.
1: Likewise. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. And thanks for everyone for tuning in to this whole season. I really do appreciate the support. And I do appreciate uh, all the guests who've come on and talked with me about their projects, about their books, about their websites, about all the great content they're producing and work that they're doing. Um, If you'd like to support the show, please review it on your favorite podcast provider or tell your friends about it. Uh, If you'd like to support me financially, that'd be great. I could always use some help uh, paying for transcription services, paying for editing services, paying for the website, um, all the stuff that's needed to bring you this show every other week. So, in the fall, I have a whole new slate of guests all set up to bring to you. But if there are people that you'd like to hear from, you'd like to hear me chat with them, uh, please drop me a note. Let me know who is out there that you would like to talk, that you'd like to hear from. Um, I'm sure there's lots of people that I don't know about, people whose work is making a difference that is helping you understand things about your world and your experience. And I would love to chat with them. I'd love to hear about the work that they're doing, the tools that they're using, and how they think about communicating their data, their results, and their analysis. So until the fall, and until next time, this has been the Policy Viz podcast. Thanks so much for listening.